You know, you should never do things like that and then leave that person with the microphone up on stage, Martin. Actually, I think that's why Chris invited me, honestly. Like, this is my first time here, so I'm happy to be here to join you guys. But I think the real reason that he decided to have me right now is because of our, our team opposition that we've had going on for a number of years. He's like, listen, they're no threat now. I mean, they have clearly decided not to be actively participating in the NFL in the following years, so he may as well bring me, uh, bring me up here. So um, I am happy to, uh, to join you guys uh, this weekend. So actually, I figured out one thing in the, in the introduction. Number one is, man, I am in the right place if I need a deal on property up here. Uh, and, and so that I feel like I could get like a line and people bidding. The other thing that I learned, too, is, man, if I need like anything built up here, I feel like I'm in the right place uh, also. So I'm like, man, I'm not in construction or real estate. I hope you guys will allow me to hang out here this weekend. Um, no, it's uh, this this topic and, and Chris kind of set us up with uh, with some of the things about purpose and talking about kind of at a highest the highest level. You know, hey, what is our purpose? If you've been around a lot of Christians and you've grown up in a Christian environment, you may have heard this idea of to glorify God in all I do. Yes. But what does that look like for you individually? What does that look like for me individually? In fact, if I asked you this question, I'm going to ask it to you right now. Um, and and if, you're, if you're a note taker, write this down. What is your purpose? Write your purpose down. What is it? For what purpose do you exist? Here's the one thing we know for sure, is that everything is created for a purpose. Everything has a reason to exist. Why do you exist? Oftentimes in a room this size, uh, I usually end up with a couple of different types of reactions. Number one is that people start writing really quick. Although that seems to typically be the minority. The majority that I'll get is, huh, hadn't thought about it, or maybe not able to completely articulate it. Yet we know this for sure, that we were all created for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in him. Created for something, created to do something. So I work at a, uh, I work in the recycling business. I work at a textiles uh, recycling company. And over and over again, I hear people in our organization talk about, man, we are making a difference in the world. Like our purpose is impacting people. I love doing work that matters. I hear them refer to the work as their purpose. It's a big driver of why our organization does what it does. And if you read anything about purpose, Oftentimes you'll read things about how people's health, their life circumstances, things are better when they're clear on their purpose. But more often than not, when you look down deep into it, their purpose is anchored in things that will not last. Like I know for sure our company is not going to last into eternity. There will be a day when none of us who work there will work there any longer. There will be a day when I won't work there any longer. And there will be a day when the facility that we do our business in is gone and empty. And so as we think about our purpose, the question is, is it aligned with things that matter? 
If you would have asked me what my purpose was in my mid-20s before I came to know Jesus, this is what I would have said to you. Something along these lines. I want to be as successful as possible, make as much money as I can, so I can provide for myself and my family and live the great life. Would have been, would have been that, type of, uh, that type of language. What is your purpose? How do you answer that question? See, here's the, one of the reasons it's so important is that purpose fuels progress, regardless of where it's focused. Whether it's a business, whether it's a person, whether it's a group, a church, how they view their purpose fuels where they spend their time, attention, and energy and their progress. Imagine living for a purpose for your entire life and at the end of your life discovering that purpose was a waste of time. Zero value. How would you feel? And I'm pretty sure I can get an idea of how most of us would feel. So let me pray for us as we jump into God's Word. Uh, Father, we, this purpose thing is, I mean, it is authored by you. We know it is. And so, Lord, I would just simply ask that as we take a look at what you have to say about it, please challenge our thinking, as Chris mentioned earlier. Push us around so that we would see it as you see it. And, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each man in this room uh, for exactly where they are. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So some people, a lot of times, they define purpose, and maybe some of you think about it like this, is it might be to provide for your family. It's a common one that I hear from people. Or I want to impact the world in a positive way. Every once in a while, I'll come across somebody who says, hey, I just want to survive. Uh, and, and, and then you'll get that I want to enjoy life. Uh, you know, the world around us loves to define how to think about topics particularly ones that are the big important ones. And a lot of times for guys, our purpose can be anchored in or attached to the work that we do, to our job, to our position, whatever it might be. It could be for the people we care for or even a compelling need to try to, hey, I wanna, I wanna serve others, I wanna give to others. And although each of these things has merit relative to what the Bible teaches us about purpose, Every single one of them is secondary to what God would say is our purpose. As I mentioned earlier, by definition, here, purpose, the reason for which something exists. Everything has purpose. The other thing to recognize is that everyone serves someone and everyone gives their life to something. Whether or not you're doing that in an intentional way or it's just happening to you, you are effectively giving your life to something and serving something. This probably won't surprise you, but the Bible itself has a lot to say about purpose. In the book of John, in, uh, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says this. He says, the thief comes only to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'd suggest to you that if you want to know what Satan's purpose is, it's in John 10.10. 10. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. I think he does that with us by keeping us distracted, deceived, and focused on anything and everything that would steer our attention away from what God would have us know. But in that same verse, Christ points out that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. The purpose of Satan is to kill and destroy. Jesus came that we might have an abundant life. I would suggest to you that living with godly purpose is the path to the abundant life. 
when we center our focus on our, when we center our lives on God's way and not our own way, God's truth and not our own truth, it pays dividends not only in eternity, as Chris mentioned earlier, but I'd suggest to you this side of eternity as well. There are a lot of examples in the scripture of living with purpose. We won't go there, but I'll just, I'll just mention a few of them. In John 17, 4, Jesus simply says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus knew what he was here to do and accomplished his work. He lived with purpose and focus. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, 13, 14, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Listen to what he says. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What prize? The prize of an eternity with Christ Jesus. What call? The call that God gave Paul where he was at that point in time in history. And again, I would suggest to you, every one of us has a call. In John 30, 30, John the Baptist, he says he must become greater and I must become less. John the Baptist's sole purpose was what? He was a messenger of Jesus, a messenger about what was coming. See, the reason understanding purpose is so important is, I mentioned earlier how it can drive progress, but at the individual level for us, it will drive your priorities. Your purpose will determine your priorities. And again, whether or not you're intentional on it or it's just happening to you, it will determine where you spend your time, where you spend your talent, and how you spend your energy. In fact, think about your calendar for a minute. Where do you spend most of your time? Aside from we naturally often spend most of our time at work, but what do we spend our time doing? Or look at your checkbook. Where does your money go? What gets the best of your energy and your life and what you have to offer? Those are your priorities. Whether or not you are intentional or not, as I mentioned earlier, they are your priorities. If you were to add all of those things together, where you're spending your time, where you're spending your money, what's getting your best, would any of those be headed into eternity with you? Or would all of them be something that would come to an end and of no value at that point in time? See, when it comes to priorities, man, the world loves to tell us and culture loves to tell us what you should prioritize. I think the message today of this, you know, you do you, you'll hear that, you can hear that fairly often, whether it's in those exact words or simply implied in the way that things are happening around you. And if you can help others along the way, go for it, but only if it makes you happy. See, some of the attention-grabbing theology of the world today, tell me if you resonate with any of these. Follow your heart. That's, that's a solid theological direction of the culture and the world around us. Or, or this one I like, be true to yourself. I think Chris already warned us about the danger in that. This was always one of my favorites in my, uh, in my 20s. If it's to be, it's up to me. I will make all things happen in my life. Look, regardless of the one-liners that resonate with you, here's the truth, that the world around us, they are simply saying, do what feels right and do it however you would like. And that is just not what God's word teaches us. It's simply the opposite. See, the Bible teaches a clear order of priorities. 
in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Again, there are multiple places you can, you can see these priorities. But Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. And, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Priorities, according to Scripture, are very simple. God, number one, and then our neighbor, and loving people. Love God, love people. And if you dig into this a bit more, consider what the Bible says about other relationships, uh, you can conclude, anybody who's married, I'll tell it to you like this, it's the Lord, your spouse, I don't know of a closer neighbor than your spouse, and your, then your family, and the stewardship of people in our lives, but this is really how we foster the priorities oftentimes of how God lays it out for us. You heard Chris say it earlier, but it bears repeating. You're going to hear it multiple times today. There are only two things that last forever. The Bible, the Word of God, lasts forever. The Bible of itself says that my Word is eternal and the souls of people. Those are the only two things coming with us when we step off this planet and we step into the next life. I know we had some people who are in the financial business um, you know, you think about good, good investments, long-term investments that yield great benefit. I would suggest to you that if you, have, if you find two that are more important than God's Word and the souls of people, I was going to say, let me know, but I'm just going to tell you you're wrong because <laughs> nothing else is coming into eternity. Which is why understanding our purpose in the context of what God calls us to do is so important because it will determine our priorities, which then will determine how we live. So before I jump in and we take a look at what the Bible has to say specifically about it, I'll kind of take a quick pause there and see if we have any questions. I know I got y'all like late first night after a long week at work. I said, this is the money spot because no one's going to ask any questions. They're too tired. But I'll give you a chance to ask a question. I never should have said no one's going to ask any questions. That's like a rookie move. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, um, in where in the priority list is taking care of yourself? It says love your neighbor as yourself. So you don't want to prioritize yourself in the selfishness, but there also, there's also that self-interest portion of taking care of ourselves so we can take care of our neighbors. So what's your take on that? Yeah, well, I think the call is to love your neighbor. But if you look at, uh, here, let me flip. Well, Philippians 2. I'll just, I'll just comment on, on, uh, on Philippians 2. Someone might have to help me with my, with my address. But in talking about humility, it says, put others' interests above your own is the distinction in Philippians 2. Anyone have an address for me? I think it's two. Is it 2, 3, and 4? Okay, thank you. Um, but it, the idea of, of loving others, putting, putting others' interests above your own, that does not suggest that I don't, uh, address my interest and look out for myself, but when it comes to if it's me or them, then I do my best for it to be them. Good question. Any other questions? Okay, so if you guys would open your Bibles to, uh, to Colossians chapter 1, that's where we're going to spend the majority of our time. Colossians chapter 1. So for those of you who haven't spent a whole lot of time in this book, I'll give you a quick overview. So it's written by the Apostle Paul. 
to the church at Colossia uh, during a time when Paul was in prison in Rome. Um, so evidently the deal was that he had received a report that they were struggling in that church from the influence of false teachers. Sound familiar? Uh, some things never change. They were preaching a different Christ. Uh, they were preaching a little bit of a different, uh, a different message that actually wasn't of, uh, of Christ himself. <clears throat> and in the letter, Paul's simply addressing and hitting some of these, the issues that they're challenged with head on. And I would suggest to you a lot of what they wrestled with in Colossae at that time, I mean, it is happening today in the church. Wrestling with what is being taught that doesn't line up with Scripture. I cannot encourage you guys enough to what Chris said about being a Berean. Be a Berean, man. If you hear something and it doesn't align with your truth, go look. Go look at the scripture and see if it's true. So in the Colossians chapter 1, I think Paul does a powerful job of presenting this concept of Christian hope, but then also into the character of Christ. And ultimately, he wraps up the chapter with what I would suggest is an uh, extremely strong and clear statement of purpose, not only for Paul, but I would suggest that, that if you are a believer of Christ out in the marketplace, dealing with people, that this is not a bad purpose to, uh, to land on. So um, I'm going to take the first section, and we're just going to talk first about the foundation of, uh, I forgot I have a couple of slides up here. Um, okay, good. Uh, so is, is we're going to start with the foundation of purpose, because like anything with Christ, Christ the cornerstone, the foundation, when it comes to purpose, there is a foundation. So Dan, I know you've had the microphone, and you did such a good job earlier. I'm going to send it back to you. But if you would read Colossians 1, 4 through 6 for us, please. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. So Paul here, he mentions in verse 5, he says, because the hope laid up for you in heaven, he's reminding them of what is to come for them, how they heard it in the gospel. And then he talks about the purpose of the gospel in their lives, constantly bearing fruit and increasing. See, a hope in Christ and the truth of the gospel that's the foundation of purpose. That's what we anchor ourselves in. I mean, what does the world offer as a purpose that will last into eternity? Can you think of anything? No, there's nothing. Whatever you do for work, there will be a point in time you won't do it. Whoever you give your life to in a relationship, there will be a point in time that one of you is not here any longer. Anything you buy will be of no value at some point in time. Those are all truths. Yet it's easy that in, in, when we live life to get caught up in giving our lives to so many of those things. I think in uh, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, I'll put this one up on the screen because I think it takes this idea of the foundation and goes even a little bit further. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled. It won't fade away. It's reserved for you, 
who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, this belief and knowing and accepting this promise that, man, there is an inheritance waiting for all those who call in the name of Jesus Christ as their Savior in eternity. It just shows you that there is so much more to life than what this world has to offer. And there is so much more than just what this world is. Without this belief, if you don't anchor in it, it is awful difficult to persevere in tough times, in challenges, in intense loss, in intense change, in circumstances that can oftentimes be really hard to navigate through if you don't have this, tough to get through them. If my purpose is anchored in my work, what happens when I lose my job? If my purpose is anchored in any person, what happens when I lose them? If my purpose is anchored in providing for my family, what happens if I can't? There are circumstances and events that can happen in my life that can prevent all of those things from being able to occur. If I put my hope in them and I anchor in them as my purpose, I am rolling the dice. See, once we embrace the eternal hope that comes through Christ and really anchor in that, that's when we can reorient our purpose towards Him and, and away from our self-centered desires, looking out for the things that we are interested in. God has eternity with Him laid up for us. That should encourage, us, encourage each of us to desire to live with godly purpose in light of godly purpose. That's the foundation of purpose. Now, what about the path, the path to purpose? Dan, why don't you read verse 9 through 12, First Colossians, or Colossians 1, 9 through 12. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joy, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That was a lot, Dan. Thank you. I would encourage you to underline, circle. If you, if you don't like to write in your Bible, then, then, then make a note. But uh, verse 10. So prior to that, in verse 9, he, Paul talks about, we have not ceased to pray for you. And why? What's he asking for? That you're filled with the knowledge of all spiritual wisdom, that you know Christ. Chris talked about it earlier. But then he says, why? So that, so that, for a purpose. This is so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects. Paul lays out a path to purpose as he starts with a prayer that believers be filled with the knowledge of God, that they know God, they understand God. You would think that Chris and I planned our, our conversations. We just read this earlier. I would, I would suggest to you that whenever your, a Bible verse repeats itself often from speak, we don't work together to plan what we're going to talk about. 
For some reason, the Lord thinks Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 is really important for us here today. And I think it is an outstanding perspective of what to boast in. I'm going to concentrate on the last part of it. It says, let he who boasts, boasts of this, that he understands and knows me. That he understands and knows me. If you do any work on that verse, it's uh, the Old Testament's in Hebrew, but the two Hebrew words, understand, is equivalent to knowing something as an expert. I think I heard people talk about, we got people who are in real estate, construction guys, like things that you're, like you're the expert in something, you know it at a depth that most others don't. That's what the Hebrew word for understand means in this, in, uh, in verse, not in verse 30, 34, 24. Um, know means that you're able to recognize something when most other people can't understand as an expert and recognize things that other people can't. I use this example before. Anyone have little kids, young kids? Okay, so my boys were young. Uh, I have two boys. They're older now, but when they were young, they used to play uh, peewee football. And if you look at peewee football kids and you try to find your kid, they all look the same. They're all bobbing around in their little helmets and, and, and they look very similar. But then the longer you watch, what are you able to do? That's mine right there. I see them. How do I know? I know how he walks. I know his mannerisms. I can recognize mine in a way that most can't. That's the same Hebrew word for knowing God in the context of this verse. And I just suggest to you there is no fast track path to knowing God and understanding him. It takes daily time reading his word, studying his word, memorizing his word, and meditating on his word. See, understanding and knowing God is critical for understand purpose and to live the life that God calls us to live. See, the path to purpose is investing time in understanding and knowing the Lord, spending time in his word, but then more importantly, you got to live it out. Hebrews 5.14 tells us about this idea of living it out. It says, solid food is for the mature, or God's word, who because of, don't miss, who because of practice, they have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Can I read God's word and exactly know what to do? Maybe, if it's that direct, but then how do I know? I practice it. I do it. And the more I do it, the more I understand it. The more I do it, in this case, the more the man of God, of God's word, discerns good and evil. It is an active process. Knowing God and understanding God is not an intellectual exercise. Yes, intellectually studying it, learning it is part of it, but you got to go do it. A number of years ago, I'd started a, a, a business. And you know what? If you would have asked me where my purpose was, I, I wouldn't have said it was in my business. But if you looked at my life, it was in my business. And out of the gate, the business went, it, things went really well. But unfortunately, as time went on, we hit some rough spots and the business took a dive. And I found myself out of work. And I was in my mid-30s at the time. I had a two-year-old son at home. And to make matters worse, um, you know, my wife was unemployed as well in the moment. And it was a, man, it was an anxious, stressful time. If you've ever dealt with unemployment and small children and trying to figure out what my life is going to look like, uh, man, your head plays some games. 
During that time, though, I kept coming across Philippians 4.19 in my Bible study. For those of you who don't know it, it just says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And it seemed like every time I turned around, that verse was in front of me. And I did not think at the time that uh, God was going to be supplying my needs because I had no job. (laughs) I needed uh, to have my needs supplied. And that verse kept coming up. It kept coming up. And I, I, I remember finally saying, okay, I need to grab a hold of this. And I need to think about it. And I need to lean into the promise. And instead of running like crazy to try to find work, I actually started to pray over the verse. So, okay, Lord, you promised, I'll trust. You promised, I'll trust. Over time, God opened new doors and did provide for me and my family in many, many ways. Later, he used a job. Other times, he used different people and circumstances, but provided all along. Since that time, I have rarely uh, concerned myself with having enough, simply because God showed me in that time that verse, having hold of his promise, knowing him and understanding him. See, the foundation of godly purpose is anchored in believing and eternal hope. And then the path is knowing and understanding God and doing what his word says. But then Paul goes on and he points out this priority and purpose that I think is really important to understand. Dan, will you read, uh, will you read Colossians 1, 15 through 18? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. First place. It doesn't say in most things, some things, first place in everything. Paul reveals this biblical truth around purpose and even priorities. I think that it's it's uh, important to understand which is all things have been created through Christ and for Christ. All things have been created through Christ and for Christ. Or I say this a little bit differently, is apart from Christ, nothing has been created by man or for man. Nothing. Everything created and done is through Christ and it's for Christ. Your job, your aspirational things that you want to create, if anything that you have created, the Bible tells us that it was created through Christ and for him. The question is often, do we live that way? Do we live our lives that way? See, God's ways and God's will, they must be our highest priority if we're going to live a godly purpose. Nothing else can stand in the way. For some people right now, you're hearing this, and this this is going to challenge you to have a major realignment in how you think and how you live your life. For the man who's giving his life to his work for the sake of building something of significance, Watch out, it will not last. That business or job of yours that was created through Christ and that job is for Christ. He will accomplish what he wants to accomplish with or without you. But here's the truth, 
It's an amazing gift of the grace of God that God gives us an opportunity to be part of the work he's doing in his people, in his church, in your work, with your customers, in your home. When we put him in first place, it is amazing how everything else seems to work out. So I'll come up for a little bit of air there before we come into our final section on purpose and see if we've got any questions. See, now I know it's getting later, you know, starting now, we really start to drag. I look for the guys who are drinking coffee. Y'all are the guys I worry about. Wait, you're just reading, Dan. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Are you, did I miss you touching on that Isaiah verse? Are you, are you past that? Uh, which Isaiah verse? Oh, 46, 9, 10. Yeah, you know what? I bypassed it mostly because uh, uh, Martin quoted part of the Isaiah verse. I can go back to it if you'd like, though. I think that the, as, you, as you think about God's purpose and God's work, you cannot read the scripture without recognizing that God's purposes will be accomplished and God will do all that God intends to do. I think sometimes we, have a, we, we, we live life as if our desires and our purpose and our intentions may or may not uh, be able to uh, influence either what God does or what God doesn't do. And that's just not true, regardless of how we want to believe it. Yeah, Mitch. I'm aware that this is probably an application question, but how would you, um, how would you answer being able to discern between uh, the purposes that God has given me with my unique abilities versus maybe the purposes that I come up with myself? Does that make sense? Um. Maybe a little bit. A little. No, and I, I, yeah, I, I don't, because I do think it comes into a little bit more uh, application in terms of what purpose looks like for me. Um, so, so we're called to set God as the highest priority. What does that look like for you and how you use your time versus what it looks like for me? I don't know that I, I can answer that. I, I and ultimately, I'm accountable to answer. Uh, that on behalf of me. And I think that's all for each man to discern as you, as you consider your priorities and your purpose and how you're living that out is, is you know, what does that look like? I'll go back to the Hebrews 5.14. I mean, this, this idea of practicing and discerning, go doing and discerning God's will, I think is an active part and an important part of living the, uh, uh, living the Christian life. So up to this point, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep going, but Paul's laid out, we have foundation of purpose, eternal hope in Christ, we got a path to purpose. Finally, we see Paul wrap up his teaching, though, highlighting really his own example of godly purpose. This is Paul being clear on, hey, here's my purpose and how I am living. Dan, if you could read our last section on uh, 24 through 29. <clears throat> Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, 
and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I all... For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. If when we started tonight and you wrote down your purpose or you were like, hmm, I don't know how I would articulate my purpose. Might I suggest Colossians 1.28 to you uh, when you when you when you consider the call of the uh, of the Christian. But if you look at that group of verses, Paul himself, he starts with, restates his purpose of just preaching the word of God for the purpose of the work that he's doing in the church. He starts it off with his share on behalf of his body, which is a church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Of this church, body of Christ, not a building, not a denomination, the body of Christ, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me. Paul, go take the word to the Gentiles, was his call. As he wraps it up, he proclaims his purpose statement clearly in 28 and 29. For we proclaim him, share the gospel, admonish every man, get in the word, encourage them, challenge them, teach every man, study the word together, to present every man, complete in Christ. For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works in me. Parenthetically, as you read anything about the Apostle Paul, you will notice he never ever takes credit for anything. Points always to the grace given to him through the Lord Jesus. That's a heck of a practice I know that I could do a lot more of. See, the world wants us to prioritize ourselves, our hopes, our dreams, so that you can get all the stuff that they promise you. But God's intent is to prioritize Him in His ways, to live in light of the purpose for which He created you, each of us, created for good works that God prepared beforehand, every one of us, so that we would walk in them. Imagine for just a second if each of us in this room anchored our entire self in God's purpose for our lives. God's purpose became the ultimate priority for us and everything else was second. How do you think that would impact your relationships? How do you think it would change the stresses and struggles that can be distractions in our lives? How would it change the way you spend your time, your money, and your energy. We don't have enough time to dig totally deep into purpose, but I think uh, Chris made a comment on it. This book, Establishing Your Purpose, is in the back. It's a heck of a resource. Um, it's got great scripture references, great thought-provoking questions. I encourage you that if this topic of purpose is something that, hey, I really, you really hadn't thought much about it, and, and, and or you're thinking, you know what, my purpose and for what I have been living for may not be 
what God would have me live for, get this, get a guy or two, and go through it with them. It can really, really change you. So I'm going to wrap up with this. Just a couple of suggestions for thinking about your purpose um, and how to live, how to live with, uh, with purpose. I don't think I have any more. Uh, okay. I have three things. Um, one is this one. Just, I mean, I know we've said it, but I came to a, tr- a retreat like this for the first time in 2001. So it's been 22 years. And every single time I sit in a chair and I hear a man talk about prioritizing and knowing God's word, God brings something to my mind and challenge me. Never fails. I cannot hear the message enough. But knowing God's word, it's how we can admonish people, teach them with all wisdom. For some people I know, knowing God's word sounds daunting. But just be encouraged by this. There is no degree at which you are being measured to know God's word. Do you have a PhD in God's word? Or are you in, are you in the kindergarten level of God's word? Doesn't matter. What matters is you get into God's word and then you watch what God through the Holy Spirit in you will do. The second one is this idea of prioritizing, proclaiming Christ, just like Paul. Chris mentioned this earlier. Every single one of us has people in our circle that isn't in anyone else's circle. My wife and I have been married for 25 years, and we have different friend circles. There are people that she knows. I don't know all of her friends. She doesn't know all of my circle. Those circles are our opportunities to proclaim Christ, to share the good news of the gospel so that more may come to know Jesus. Prioritize it. Look for opportunities to share the greatest news ever delivered to the world. There is nothing better. And then prioritizing the souls of people. This is the idea of presenting every person complete in Christ. It's giving our lives to others with the message of Jesus in it. You know, I notice in today's world, you get a lot of press around these great philanthropers. I, re- I remember at one time, I forget the, uh, was the Facebook guy or Meta, whatever it is now, Zuckerberg and somebody else, like they were giving away 95% of their wealth. And, and tremendous amount of impact that they would likely have. But to what extent? If it's not done in the name of Jesus, with the name of Jesus, and because the name of Jesus, you do nothing but feed a person this side of eternity, and they'll go right to hell when they leave here without Jesus. When we prioritize the souls of people, it's the message of Jesus. A lot of people serve others without the, without the gospel, without the saving message of Christ. And although it, it might be a temporary benefit, it doesn't help in the long run. God designed all of us to live with purpose. Uh, I think it's why it's so fulfilling when it's clear in our lives. I always find it a little humorous that science will... Per- do all these studies and these discoveries like, man, people who live with purpose, they live so much better lives. But the truth is the only reason that exists is because God wired people how he wired. He wired us to live with purpose, but his purpose, doing his work for his kingdom. If each of us can live in a, in, in a way that, that aspires to utter the same words as Jesus, Lord, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. 
that's a life worth living as far as I'm concerned. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for your word, which teaches us so much truth about how to live, to live a life with purpose, to live a life committed to your people and to your word, to proclaim you, to share you with others, to teach others, all that we might present, all so that we might present others complete in you, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be part of what you're doing. Thank you for giving us the truth of your word, which shows us how to do it. Lord, please stir each of us to reorient our purpose however we need to, that we might live in a way that is clearly you first above all. I pray all these things in the precious name of our Holy Savior. Amen. Thank you, guys.